Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you again. Lord, we thank you and honor you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who has gathered us here uh, for the sake of his gospel, for the sake of his name. And Lord, we ask now for uh, your teaching. We ask for your Holy Spirit to bring our hearts and minds to this word, or bring this word to our hearts and minds, uh, that we may see the glory of Christ, that we may hear the things of Christ, the things of the Spirit, that we may believe in him who takes away the sin of the world. For Lord, the gospel has been given to us that we may believe and be saved. And if we are to faithfully proclaim Christ, it should be to the end that he may be seen and be believed upon. So Lord, help me to preach Christ. Show me the things of Christ that I may show them to your people. We pray in his precious name. Amen. John 3, 1 to 8. You, you have to buy crystal uh, a present for being here the other weekend, the other Sunday. <laughs> she had to sit down here and hear all that teaching. Long teaching. That was good. Uh, it should have had our singing, though. Our singing was like angels singing. <laughs> we were like angels singing. They're beautiful. A miracle. A miracle. John 3, 1 to 8. John 3, 1 to 8. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you, are, you hear the sound of it, but not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You probably have had this prayer, the prayer of inviting Jesus into one's heart. And it's a prayer that you find on the internet in different forms. It's a prayer that if you listen to some of the more, most popular televangelists, they repeat it on the air like this one. I'm sure after hearing it, you know who it is. Who uses this on the air. He says, here's a simple prayer that you can say. If you say this and mean it in your heart, you will be saved and understand why we believe what we do. 
Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm not where I want to be and I want your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I invite Jesus to become the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Please wash me clean from all sin, shame and guilt and come into my life, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And then it will say, if you prayed that prayer, then we believe you are born again. Did you pray the sinner's prayer and truly understand and believe what it teaches? If so, please click on the I have accepted Christ today button below. And we have a variation of that prayer in the thinking that we as Christians can do things to commend ourselves. We can educate ourselves and other people into Christ. And when we make some intelligent observation of Christ, then we think that is a new birth. This is a teaching that is lost. It's not there in the majority of the churches. They do say that I am born again. But when they talk about being born again, they are referencing to their own work in their own repentance in the day or on the day that they say this prayer. On the day that they were born again. They were born again by their own doing. And we are going to hear from Jesus. And Jesus is going to turn things upside down. He's going to give us some understanding of how one becomes a Christian. Because when we are talking about a new birth, about being born again, we are talking about how does one become a Christian? How does one get salvation? How do men move from darkness into light? Is it something that you just dream about or do you just read a formula and then by the formula obligate God to give you his righteousness in Christ Jesus. So what we see happening in the church these days is that men have concocted some formulas on how to bring Christ to them. They've concocted some magical words that will bring Christ into their hearts, that they will invite Christ into, the, into, into their hearts. They are putting the cart before the horse because that's not the formula of salvation according to the understanding of Jesus. There's no sinner's prayer that brings anyone to Christ. The Lord said in John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. No one can come. There's no one who can come to Christ unless the Father who sent him draws the person. 
The son says no one. And that's a universal condition. That's a universal experience. There's not a single person who ever moves towards Christ unless the father is pleased by his grace to draw them to Christ. In Matthew eleven twenty-seven, a variation of the same teaching is this from the Lord Jesus Christ. All things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows the son except the father. Nor does anyone know the father except the son, and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. So Christianity is a revealed religion. You do not educate anybody into Christianity. Because if that was the case, all educated people will be Christians. Christianity is a a revealed religion because it's a spiritual religion. So the son and the father are in the business of hiding and revealing truth from the people. This is not the God and the Christ that people are familiar with. But this is the only God that Christ knows. No one knows anything about Jesus or the Father. No one can call God unless they know Christ. And no one can call Christ unless the Father has revealed him. Then Jesus is going to say, No one can see the kingdom unless they are born again by the Spirit. So it seems like the Father, Son, and the Spirit are in the business of hiding and revealing. Only to the people that are supposed to know about Christ. The Father reveals the Son to whom he wills. And the Son reveals the father to him he wills. Which means the father and the son purposefully hide themselves from certain people, but reveal themselves to others. And this is important for us for this reason. When we know the things of Christ, all glory should go to them. And realize that you did not arrive at Christ by your diligence, by your effort, by your prayer. No one can arrive at Christ by anything that they do. Christ has to be revealed to you. And why does God hide and reveal? Why? Listen to this. To you, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. To you... It has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been granted. God has not granted Christ to all people. There are two groups of people. Those to whom Christ has been revealed and granted. And the other group that is in darkness. And they know nothing about Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ will show up and say, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus has the nerve 
to praise the Father for hiding Christ from people. Even so, Father, this was so good in your sight. And I praise you for doing it. I praise you for revealing me to some people. And I praise you for hiding me from certain ones. And this was good in your sight. And there are probably hundreds of thousands of people who profess Christ who have made this sinner's prayer. And even today, they are holding their faith and hope to the day that they made the confession. The sinner's prayer and the altar call are used in many churches. But is that formula, the biblical formula that Christ gave to us in John 3? Is that Jesus' understanding of how one comes to make a confession of Christ Jesus? But remember what John is saying in John 1. There stands among you one whom you do not know. There stands one among you whom you do not know. So if Christ is to be known, he has to be revealed. Christ has to be revealed by the Holy Spirit, by the Father, for anybody to come to him. The question that we need answered is that can one pray themselves or anyone into salvation? And by that question, we are asking another question, which is, do men participate or cooperate with God in matters of their own salvation? We are asking the question, how does a sinner, one who is born after the fallen Adam, one who is born dead in trespasses and sins, one who is in the tomb with Lazarus, come to a true confession of Jesus Christ. Does this formula work? Because if we think, if we say the formula works, then we are minimizing everything that Christ has said about how men get saved. And when we minimize what Christ said about being born again, we minimize the work of Christ in giving that new birth. Because as we are going to learn next week, the Lord willing, when Christ talks about the new birth, it sounds so strange when you read John chapter 3 that the conversation ends up with Christ on the cross. The new birth happens on the cross. And it's very peculiar that Christ would develop his theology of a new birth and in the same conversation put the cross as the context in which the new birth happens. So there are a lot of questions that have to be asked and answered biblically if we have to correctly answer the questions. But even more, if we have to tell people about the truth of how God works. And if people have to know if they are saved or not. What is 
the biblical understanding of being born again. According to the sinner's prayer, one gets born again when they say the prayer. Because at the end of it, they say, we believe that if you have said this prayer, you have been born again. The problem is the prayer is coming from below. The, com- the prayer is coming from one who is below to the above. But the Lord says there's nothing that comes from the below that profits anything. It's coming from the flesh. You do not attain to spiritual things by coming from the flesh. It has to come from a different arena. It has to come from a different place. In John 6.63, the Lord says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And in John 3.6, he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. What does that mean? It means nothing that comes from one who is born below. Anyone who is born by a woman is one who is born below. And whatever men do on two legs does not profit anything spiritually. That's what Jesus is saying. The one who is born on earth profits nothing spiritually. And because they are born on the earth, because they are born in sin, whatever they do cannot be the basis on which one attains to the realization of spiritual things. It cannot be the basis by which they comprehend Christ. It cannot be the basis of their acceptance by God even if it is coming from the best of men. And that's why we have Nicodemus. It is not the basis on which God grants salvation. It cannot be done. So we enter the book of John to gain understanding of what the Lord would have us know about this particular teaching. And we have John 1, 4-5 as building our background. John 1, 4-5. This is what it says about Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. As I taught earlier, the darkness is not trying to understand the light so that they can harmoniously live together as good neighbors. Rather, it is trying to smother or extinguish the light. But the light cannot be extinguished. The light cannot be extinguished. It is false. Darkness is the spiritual state of all born after the first Adam. It is the most spiritual, it is the most distinguishing spiritual mark of all humanity. Even the best of them. Even the most schooled of them. And to be in darkness means to be dead in trespasses and sins. And a dead body is a rotting 
or rotten body. And that's why it needs embalming. A sinner is not only dead spiritually, but they are unclean. And to be dead is to be lifeless. There's no heartbeat or blood flowing in the veins of a dead person. So to be spiritually dead means to be lifeless and unclean in the spirit. And this death and uncleanliness is not in the outside things, but comes from within. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. To be dead in the spirit is the reason why no man can see Jesus for who he is. He is the light that came to darkness and darkness did not comprehend it. It is talking to human inability to read or understand or see or love the things of God. If darkness does not comprehend the light, that is Jesus Christ. How then do men come up with salvation formulas that are contrary to Christ's understanding. Because men still want to make salvation about themselves. About their work. About their own consciousness. About their own realization. About their own planning. The salvation formulas may be sincere. But are ignorant. And are giving people a false hope of their salvation state. Because they are failing to make the proper biblical response of faith and repentance. It is causing people to trust in their sinner's prayer. Or trust the day they responded to the altar call and not faith in Christ. Not only that, the sinner's prayer and the altar call cause people to dedicate and rededicate and rededicate their lives to Jesus a hundred times before they die, but never finding any assurance because they started off on the wrong footing. It causes people not to know the marks of salvation because there's no assurance of salvation in that kind of formula. Assurance of salvation does not come from what men do or feel. It's not about your feelings. It's about Christ and what he has accomplished. It comes from knowing by faith that Christ Jesus is the eternal son of God, who is both God and man, who fully and completely accomplished all the work of salvation and his acceptance, his acceptance by God is our only basis of acceptance and standing with him. But how do we know that Christ was accepted? Because God raised him from the dead. That's it. That is why the Apostle Paul would say, if the dead are not raised, then your faith is in vain. 
the sure sign of salvation for the one who believes is not ultimately in their repentance, but in that Christ resurrected from the dead. And that their faith, their faith rests only on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And when they do that, that is making the proper biblical response of faith and repentance. Faith and repentance is not stopping to go watching movies. Faith and repentance are about coming to Christ. They are about seeing Christ and continuing to seek him and continuing to see him as he is unveiled to you in degree and faith, grace, love, life, as you continue to see him and ultimately in glorification. But let us build some more understanding. In John 2, 23 and 25. This is what John has recorded. He says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning men, for he himself knew what was in men. You see the style of John, repetition. And then he says, he was not, he knew all men and he did not need anyone to testify concerning men for he knew what was in men. Why did Jesus not need anyone to testify anything concerning men? Because we are told he knew what was in men. He knew what was in man, and this is not a positive statement. In the context in which John is saying it, he is saying, this is bad. It is a negative statement, and he's saying, Jesus as God knows all the darkness that is in the hearts of man, and thus he did not entrust himself. You see, the reason why he was not entrusting himself because he did not entrust himself to people who were following him for the miracles. He knew that they were following him not for his light and life, but for their bellies to be fed. And the enigma that surrounded him as we learn from John 6, 26. And this statement then provides us with the background and launchpad on which to understand the conversation that the Lord had with Nicodemus and why one needs to be born again. This statement is very critical to understanding Jesus' response to Nicodemus. Jesus does not need any man to try and testify about him because all men are darkness dwellers. And have nothing they know about Christ as to make a testimony of the Son of God. It is himself, his works, and the Father that testify about him. John 14, 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, 
and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So the works of Christ, those that he performs, testify of him. John 8, 18. I am the one who bears witness of myself. And the Father who sent me bears witness of me. So the Father bears witness of Christ and Christ bears witness of himself. John 5.36 But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So the Lord Jesus did not need the testimony of John the Baptist. John only learned about him because God had revealed Christ to him by the sign of the Holy, the sign of the Holy Spirit descending upon Christ like a dove when Christ was baptized. And if the Lord does not need the testimony of John the Baptist, surely he does not need the testimony of Nicodemus. John the Baptist has already been prophesied in Malachi as the one who's going to prepare the way and is prophesied in Isaiah. He's already in the scriptures. Nicodemus is not in the scriptures. And yet he comes and tries to make an intelligent testimony about Jesus. Nicodemus and his testimony of Jesus. John 3 verse 1. And two. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. By saying, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came by night to Jesus and said to him, Apostle John is deliberately linking us back to the man in John 2, 23 to 25. The ones that Christ said he did not need anyone to tell him about man for he knew what was in man. Christ was not entrusting himself to men. And Nicodemus shows up with this expectation that Christ is going to be entrusted to him. So this man, Nicodemus, shows up at night and tries to give a testimony of Jesus. He shows up at night so that he may talk to Jesus without much interruption from the crowd. He may talk to Jesus without attracting attention. But theologically, he may talk to Jesus at night because he is a man of spiritual darkness. Because John has already told us that he came to his own and they did not receive him. Christ is the light. He came and the darkness did not comprehend him. They did not accept him. They tried to conquer him as to put him out. So it's this darkness that comes in the name of religion as represented by Nicodemus. 
and tries to give witness and evidence of the light. Darkness cannot give testimony of the light. Rather, the light is the one that gives testimony of its own light and of the darkness. So Nicodemus' testimony was a fishing expedition. He comes trying to figure out who Jesus is according to the unsatisfactory report that he has had from those who had been sent to John the Baptist. Remember, this is happening within the time frame that John the Baptist is alive. So we have John the Baptist preaching a baptism of repentance. And they had already inquired of the person of John the Baptist in John 1, 19-22. This is what it says for just bringing things back. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him. So the Jews and the priests and the Levites, who are these people? This is Nicodemus' circle of people. These are the religious authorities of the day of which Nicodemus was one of them. So they've already been inquiring of John the Baptist and they see Jesus and they're hearing about Jesus doing greater things than John the Baptist. And so that piqued his interest. So when they sent back to John 1, 22, the, the delegation that was sent, they came to John the Baptist and said, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? So as they were curious about John the Baptist, so they are even more curious of Jesus. And they do not know what to make of him. Uh, so as he tries to give testimony, Nicodemus, as Nicodemus tries to give testimony of Jesus, he gets a sting of a response. It's actually a sting of a response. Because when you read the conversation, we are going to see that Nicodemus doesn't participate in the conversation much longer. Jesus starts to lecture him about himself and the work of God in salvation. At first impression, there seems to be nothing wrong about what Nicodemus said. There seems to be nothing wrong about the statement that Nicodemus makes of Jesus. But it it sounds like something that's fair to say. So why then did the Lord jump on Nicodemus? Because he did. Many problems. Nicodemus is all in what was said. Nicodemus comes and makes an assessment of Jesus as rabbi. Nicodemus is a top rabbi. Nicodemus is a top rabbi and he comes to Jesus and addresses him as another rabbi at the same level. He is saying, oh, you are just a rabbi. We are together. We, do, we have the same gig. Of teaching. So by that statement, when, when Nicodemus comes and says, Rabbi, he's saying, Jesus, you and I are at the same level as rabbis. You are not even a prophet or the Messiah, 
but a, simply a teacher come from God according to my own assessment. And this statement was disappointing and reckless according to Jesus' reading. And also, the other problem that got Nicodemus in trouble is this. In his testimony, Nicodemus says, we know. Not, I know. He says, we know. So what is that saying? He's saying Nicodemus comes as a spokesperson of those that were in, in essential theological agreement with him about the person of Jesus. This is something that they have discussed. Okay, guys, what do you think? What should we make of this guy? So he comes and says, obviously people had their input, and the conclusion was, there's something about this guy. But what we can say right now is, he surely has come from God. But there's more. Nicodemus is hiding behind their combined evaluation. He is not standing on his own feet when he comes to Christ. He is standing on the feet of others and say, we as a group, we made an evaluation. And not on his own faith in Christ. And that's a problem. But Nicodemus is curious about Jesus still. That's why he came at night. Because there's something unusual about Christ. And he hopes by this coming, by this conversation, he hopes to find some way, some criteria, some understanding by which he can make a proper evaluation of Christ. He needs to make a further diagnosis. He wants to make a further diagnosis of Christ. And it is this evaluation that gets him in trouble. Nicodemus, one who is from below, one who is earthly, one who is a darkness dweller, attempts to make a testimony of heavenly things. Nicodemus, you are a darkness dweller as exemplified by your walking and coming to me at night and not having enough light to see the light that is in me. And now you come and try to give testimony. Let's get more understanding on who Nicodemus is. We have to get that for us to understand the theology of the new birth. Who is Nicodemus? We are given here by John the Apostle three most excellent descriptions of the personal profile of Nicodemus. Nicodemus has a resume. Nicodemus has a resume, and it's an excellent resume. If you were a high